Hello, my rebels. Today I take you through the wonderful labor action that's roiling Southwest Airlines. And if you would have told me five years ago that I would be cheering a wildcat strike of sorts, a work to rule that has snarled flights, 2,000 flights delayed or canceled, I'd say, what are you talking about? But you know what? They're actually fighting for their civil liberties and occupational health and safety, what unions were meant to do. And it's a beauty to behold. I'll take you through that today. Anyways, it's a good podcast. Let me invite you to become a subscriber to the video version of it. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com. That's what we call it. And uh, it's eight bucks a month. You get the video version of my podcast every day. Plus once a week, you get shows from Sheila Gunn-Reed, David Menzies, and Andrew Chapados. I really think there's a lot in there for eight bucks a month. And it's also important to keep us independent because we don't take a dime from the government unlike more than 99% of the media. So it's, it's actually a way to keep us free. So please do go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. Okay, here's today's podcast. Tonight, what's going on with Southwest Airlines? And could it happen here? It's October 12th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Ezra. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I published is because it's my bloody right to do so. Look what's happening these past few days with Southwest Airlines, one of the more popular and newer American airlines. 2,000 flights canceled over the weekend. We're already seeing a couple of issues. A Southwest afternoon flight to Baltimore has been delayed nearly 10 hours. You can see it right here on your screen with the live tracker. Scheduled for 1.15 p.m., not going until 10.50 tonight. And we'll be keeping an eye on this throughout the entire morning and afternoon. Southwest is blaming the last few days' problems on air traffic control, poor staffing, and bad weather. According to the Associated Press, Southwest canceled 350 flights across the country just yesterday alone. We spoke with a man who had five flights canceled over the weekend. He was finally able to make the trip home yesterday morning on another airline, but in the meantime, he had to spend a lot of money and get a hotel. Boy, that's a lot of bad luck. What's it all about? Hundreds of delayed flights, many delayed repeatedly, I guess 2,000 altogether. Well, here's what they have to say. They took to Twitter. They said, Air traffic control issues and disruptive weather have resulted in a high volume of cancellations throughout the weekend while we work to recover our operation. We appreciate your patience as we accommodate affected customers and customer wait service wait times are longer than usual. Boy, that's really bad luck. But since when does bad weather only affect one airline? And weather across America this weekend was as close to perfect as it gets. What weather were they talking about? Well, here's what the Federal Aviation Administration has to say. They said, no FAA air traffic staffing shortages have been reported since Friday. So they're saying Southwest was lying about air traffic control. The FAA continues to say, 
flight delays and cancellations occurred for a few hours Friday p.m. due to widespread severe weather, military training and limited staffing in one area of the Jacksonville en route center. So that's Jacksonville, Florida. Some airlines continue to experience scheduling challenges due to aircraft and crews being out of place. Okay, well, that's sort of weird. Widespread severe weather, but that's not what the weather radar showed. And limited staffing in Jacksonville. Okay, so how does that explain 2,000 flights? And why is it just one airline again? Could it possibly be about something else? Well, here's a report from CNBC. The first tweet is deleted for some reason, but then they said this. The reporter Leslie Joseph said, Southwest Airlines didn't say those were the only reasons. Southwest said that it initiated its issues over the weekend, but acknowledged staffing issues created the bulk of the problem. Okay, I thought they said weather and air traffic control. As we reported today, union figures show 2,000 plus cancellations were because of unavailable crews. The plot thickens. Unavailable crews. I wonder what they were protesting against or doing a work to rule or slow walking. I wonder what's going on. Here's a couple of photos that maybe suggests it. Protester talking about the jab and look at this photograph. A Gadsden flag, that's the old Revolutionary poster, don't tread on me, a snake that doesn't like to be stepped on. What's going on here? Well, here's a little more from CNBC. One of their hosts seems to be a bit angry, basically saying, hey, pilots, we paid you bailouts during the tough times, so you owe us, take the jab. Take a look. Hey, Casey, um, I, I know that you and the airline have said that this is not related uh, to protesting uh, vaccine mandates, uh, but uh, the union did sue effectively to block uh, such a mandate. Can we discuss that for a moment? Because um, I think there's a, there's a question about what the role of, of pilots should be. As you know, uh, pilots were a beneficiary during the, the pandemic uh, of taxpayer bailout money. The airline and the pilots and flight attendants all all sought that money uh, at the time, even when they were uh, even when they weren't flying. And so and, and the argument at the time was that that was going to, quote, help society. We were trying to help society um, and th that that money was needed to get to those people. Um, what, what are the pilots prepared to do if not take the vaccine uh, to, quote, help society at this point? So um, I think the two are mutually exclusive. The, the, the vaccine uh, mandate and, and where we are with the lawsuit is really just to get the company to sit down and talk to us and, and discuss some of, some of our issues that our peers have done and we see where their vaccination rates are. So all we're trying to do is to get them to sit down and talk to us, which we haven't seen. We've been pushing them for 10 months to do that. Pilots have to have to maintain a medical certificate as well as their pilot certificate. So we want to sit down and address how that is going to be affected, how our long term disability, how our loss of license insurance is, is going to cover. We also have to address, you know, sort of natural immunity, antibodies, um, alternative means of compliance. There's many things that we need to discuss now real quickly. 
going back and as I say, they're mutually exclusive, uh, you know, the, the job action idea. N- now that we're at Tuesday, looking back at what happened this weekend, um, our pilot sick rate was was right in line with what we saw this summer during the same kind of meltdowns. Uh, we also see our pilots picking up almost at an all time high. So our pilots are there supporting. So the two are really different. Uh, we're just trying to get the company to to sit down with us and, and discuss these issues uh, to make our pilots feel at ease and, and make a decision uh, to go out there and get vaccinated or not. Isn't that interesting? Natural immunity, eh? <laughs> so it's not really about air traffic control, about bad weather. And take a look at this document filed in court, an emergency court application filed by the public, uh, by the Southwest Pilots Union. And take a look here, the union demands that the court grant immediate preliminary injunctive relief in joining the defendant and its agents, employees, representatives, and successors and predecessors in interest from using and enforcing blah, 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 just some legalese. So the pilots want to ban, number one, the infectious disease control policy. Two, the emergency extended time off program. Three, the COVID quarantine policy. Four, the vaccine participation pay program. Five, the flight crew training instructors program. And six, the mandatory COVID vaccine policy. Five out of six demands are about the vaccine. It's pretty vaccine-ish. Nothing about weather, nothing about air traffic control, but here's what the president's spokesman, Jen Psaki, has to say. I know there was a little um, hubbub over the course of the last few days uh, about uh, Southwest Airlines. We now know that some of those claims were absolutely false and actually the issues were uh, completely unrelated to vaccine mandates. But again, what we've seen business to business across the country is this is the way to save lives, create more certainty. It's good for the economy and it's something we're looking forward to implementing. Oh, really? Now, Southwest Airlines president, president of the airline, says... He doesn't want to force the jab on his staff. He really, really doesn't. But look, it's not his choice. It's all Joe Biden's fault. It does sound plausible, but is it true? Here, take a listen. There's a lawsuit that was filed. uh, Geez, Southwest Airlines Pilots Association. It's in the Northern District of Texas. And what disturbed me about it earlier this year is they say that basically you're using illegal tactics are a form of asymmetrical warfare negotiations. Gary, Gary, you know, when you read this and then you read about the Texas governor says, listen, we can't we're going to be against mandates. I see. Well, wait, wait a second. Maybe vaccines are an issue. Maybe labor problems of which Southwest Sierra has not historically had. So you understand how we quickly just pivot from Florida and FAA uh, to wondering what happened here with the pilots? Well, yeah, again, I, I think that uh, we're uniquely affected because we have so many of our flights uh, that uh, touch Florida. All the airlines were impacted on Friday. It was just more of an impact on us, and it just took us longer to recover. But all of our employees worked very hard through the weekend, and uh, it's it's tough on our customers, but it's also tough on our people. So. They did a phenomenal job. There's absolutely um, no no issue in, in working with our employees. Talking about the vaccine mandate, oh yeah, I mean there are some that uh, have very strong views on both sides of that issue, and you know it's not 
as I think you probably know, I've never been uh, in favor of corporations imposing that kind of a mandate. I'm not in favor of that, never have been. Uh, but the executive order from President Biden mandates that all federal employees and then all federal contractors, which covers uh, all the major airlines, uh, have to have a mandate in a vaccine in place by December the 8th. So we're working through that. Uh, we're urging all of our employees to get vaccinated. If they can't, we're urging them to seek an accommodation, either for medical or religious reasons. Uh, and uh, but my goal, obviously, is that no one loses their job. Uh, the, the objective here, obviously, is to improve health and safety, uh, not for people to lose their jobs. So, um, yes, we have some very strong uh, views on that topic, but uh, that, that's not what uh, was at issue with Southwest uh, over the weekend. Well, I'm not an American, and I'm not an expert in American laws and federalism, but I can Google a bit. So I went to the White House website, and I found this executive order on requiring coronavirus disease 2019 vaccination for federal employees. I'm going to read two paragraphs, a little bit of legalese, but bear with me. Section 2, mandatory coronavirus disease 2019 vaccine for federal employees... Each agency shall implement, to the extent consistent with applicable law, a program to require COVID-19 vaccination for all of its federal employees, with exceptions only as required by law. The task force shall issue guidance within seven days of the date of this order on agency implementation of this requirement for all agencies covered by the order. And now I'll read the next section. Section 3, definitions. For the purposes of this order, the term agency means an executive agency is defined in U.S. Code 105, excluding the Government Accountability Office. The term employee means an employee is defined in this section, um, including an employee paid from American funds. So blah, 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 blah. It doesn't apply to airlines. That's not a government agency. What we're facing, what we're seeing here are pilots and others at Southwest Airlines standing up to their company paralyzing it. This is a good old-fashioned labor action. Work to rule, as they say. I understand that pilots may not really be allowed to strike under their deal. Makes sense. But this is about sick days, isn't it? Which I believe, by the way, they're mentally sick, stressed about getting the forced jab. Maybe they're sick from the jab. I don't know. But isn't this exactly what unions were built for? I'm for the unions now. I didn't know I would be saying this. But here we are in 2020. I am for the occupational health and safety of Southwest Airlines workers. And the left isn't. I think we have a rebellion on our hands, and it's enough to bring a mighty airline to its knees. And I wonder if it'll spread to other airlines, too. Tell you one thing, I sure hope this spreads to Air Canada and WestJet. Stay with us more ahead. Some posts on Facebook. Does this look familiar? Yeah, legalized. Yep. Did you put this on Facebook? Yep. So the question that's been raised is, were you there, Bob? It's Bob. Yeah. <laughs> is that you? Or? Well, were you there? Well, does it matter? Yeah. You're handing me paper work, saying I've sent a photo. I'm not handing you anything. I'm asking a question. Well, on you've got the photo, don't you? I'll so. 
that doesn't you've put a photo on Facebook doesn't yep. actually confirm whether you were there or not. So I'm asking so you, you, were you. So there. if I say no, you're not going to give me the paperwork. You're going to go home, are you? There's no or? paperwork here to give you. This is okay. My so what are we here for? We're here, here to uh, serve okay, me. Okay, or? What part no, did, no, no, no. It's no. intimidation. Yeah, I know. It's here. It's just. <laughs> It's loserish. It is like sad. I'm doing what is this humanity? Where are we going in life? You've got the cops coming you. around here to tell me that I've been in a protest no, to ask six you months you ago. To ask you if you have been. Yeah. Well, who gives a fuck? How illegal is that? Which part? Going to a protest. Why are you guys here? Why because is the police on my doorstep you're... about a protest? Yeah. Why? Black Lives Matter protests fucking two weeks before that. Yeah. Yeah, was that illegal? You knocking on their doors? Maybe. No, you're not. You're not. So, it's clearly, <laughs> it's clearly so imitating. Why are you working for this corrupt government? What are you guys doing? Who are you serving? Are you serving us or are you serving the corrupt government and health officials? They want no good for you. They're not there for you. Were you there? What? Were you there? You, you can answer my question, can't you? No, we can't answer I won't answer here. that. Okay. I'll just no comment it. Alright. Like, what? What are we here for? Well, what uh, part of when what I... What the fuck do you want from me? What did you understand when I first told you why we're here? Well, you asked me if I'm at a protest six months ago. Yes. Yeah. I don't recall. Been, I do been, not recall. We've been asked... I don't recall. I'm sorry. Because of crimes, anonymous... I don't recall. I don't recall. Oh. Well, then we'll end the conversation. Unless yeah. you want to say anything else. Go ask Andrews. <laughs> What's your reason for breaching the show direction? What, what are you talking about? I don't recall any health directions, mate. I don't watch that bullshit on the TV. There you have it. Police in Australia, uh, there were a few swears spoken there. You know, I would find it very hard to swear that uh, rarely. If in the dead of night, dark out, masked police with firearms in their holsters came onto my front doorstep and asked me about my private Facebook post, my photos that I had uploaded at a peaceful protest months earlier, I think it would have been a full-time job for me not to swear. And although I'm Jewish myself and I don't believe in the profaning of the Holocaust, the trivialization of the Holocaust, I don't believe in lightly calling people Nazis because if everything is an act of Nazism, the Nazism no longer means much. But I have to say, the police we saw there in Australia, and I can tell you that is far from a unique example, increasingly resemble the political brutality that characterized so much of the Nazi regime. Well, one U.S. commentator who has a focus like a laser on police brutality and how it has become enabled and supercharged by the pandemic is our next guest, Michael Malice, author of The Anarchist Handbook and host of Your Welcome, a podcast on the Gas Digital Network. You can find it anywhere podcasts will be found. Michael Malice, thank you so much for joining us today. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much, Ezra. Uh, you know, I see your clips pop up here and there, and you take a very hard line on police. And I'll be honest with you. At first, I thought, no, you're going too far. You, you almost take a broad brush. You do take a broad brush to police. And I would call you anti-police. And I will be candid at yes. it. For the first 20 times I saw your clips, I thought, too much, too far. But it's harder and harder for me to cling to that when I see things like we just showed. How can you, how can police stay pro-police when they do and are forced to do and are happily do things like we just saw? They're not forced to do anything. How much money would Justin Trudeau have to pay you 
to knock on your neighbor's door and ask them where they were six months ago. How much money would um, Aaron O'Toole have to pay you to have a job where people snitch on their neighbors because they were at a protest and it's your role in the middle of the night to show up and knock on their door with a gun in your pocket. This has nothing to do with police corruption. This is the nature of policing in itself. Uh, Conservatives historically have backed the blue. The blue does not back you. They back the state and that is their only interest. And if you look, I'm gonna get even more a little vulgar here, I'm not gonna curse, but if you look at the affect of those two, there's no mind there. These aren't sophisticated people. People think in movies, the cops are like in the movies or TV shows. There's no one home when they're talking to this guy. They're just staring there blankly, repeating questions like a robot. Uh, So that is why so many people have correctly uh, increasingly felt an enormous amount of contempt for the police around the world. Well, this is a difficult issue for me because I am in that category that you described. I am someone who, for the vast majority of my 49 years, would call myself not just pro-police, but wildly pro-police, almost unquestionably, almost, uh, you know, they say a fanatic is someone who can't change (laughs) his mind and won't change the subject. I was almost unpersuadably pro-police, like almost no fact situation would make me move. But here I am 19 months into the pandemic and I have moved. And here's my worry, Michael, is At first, this kind of policing probably felt uncomfortable to a number of cops. Like, I mean, come on, going to a guy's house at midnight, asking about a Facebook post, that's gotta be weird for anybody. But here we are 19 months later, and here's what I think happened, I'd love your thoughts on this. Any cops who found this uncomfortable have either left the force, been reassigned either by their own choosing or by a boss who sees they're hesitant, or they've just become accustomed to it, they're numb to it now, And this is the new normal. In fact, I put it to you, there are cops that positively love this, that are having the time of their lives, and that this is what they always dreamed of. And that the same people who would have volunteered to be brown shirts in the 30s, this is their hour. So I think things are worse than ever because the good cops have been weeded out or weeded themselves out, and we're left with the bad cops or the cops who are numb. That's what I think. It's not worse than ever because Woodrow Wilson's era was worse, but it's getting there. So I'm also Jewish, um, but I would point out there is no law so obscene that the police would not be willing to enforce it up to and including the execution of innocent children. Um, there's been no pushback whatsoever on these things from the police. Very few of them have quit. And even regardless of COVID, uh, there's all sorts of situations where the police have been enforcing restrictions on freedom starting in America from Second Amendment rights uh, all through First Amendment rights in terms of the right to peacefully assemble. Um, it is certainly, and I agree with your point, I'm glad you came around to my perspective, it very clearly attracts a certain kind of mindset. People who are low status and having that badge gives them position, a sense of status and a sense of power over other people. If you watch, uh, and if it was the 80s, uh, I would have sounded like a crazy person. But now that there's infinite videos on places like YouTube where you can see how police act, if they're the slightest bit challenged, many of them are very professional, many of them are very calm, absolutely. But a, a huge number of them know that they can get away with literal murder and feel empowered to be nasty and aggressive. And when you combine that with a very low level of intellect, it becomes a very dangerous situation. And the alternative would be to have market forces in policing, just as we need market forces in healthcare, market forces in education, and market forces with the production of food. Well, that's a very libertarian answer. I think that, um, you know, 
market any force. Gover- but- Hold on, let me say something. Any government monopoly, as you know, being a conservative, mm-hmm. leads to inefficiencies, leads to death, and leads to no uh, accountability on the force of the government monopoly. Security is a service like any other, and there's no reason for there to be a government monopoly on its services. Yeah. And let me just say one more thing you brought up, the, the, talking about the Holocaust. Uh, growing up, you and I and many other people, well, we asked ourselves, how did this happen? How did Hitler get the German people all to go along with this? They weren't all anti-Semites. They weren't all pro-authoritarian in the 20s. And all overnight, it seemed. And you see what happens. Things like COVID get to decentralize authoritarianism. It gets low-status people who have nothing to show for it, a sense of power over their fellow man. It creates an outgroup. And now they feel like they're the good guys when they call the authorities to turn in their fellow countrymen. Uh, it was yeah. that is the aspect that is very similar to the buildup in the 30s of uh, of the Nazi regime. Yeah, you know, I mean, Canadian provinces have different nicknames. Manitoba's license plate, believe it or not, is Friendly Manitoba. I'll show you sure. a, a video in a moment of Friendly Manitoba arresting a politician. Um, Saskatchewan, it's not officially its nickname, but I, when I go there, the word neighborly, just I can't get that na- word out of my head. They're so neighborly. It's so communal in, in the best sense. And yet here I see the government of Saskatchewan having a special website to encourage you to snitch on yes. friends, neighbors, and your own family. That is exactly what uh, the KGB and the NKVD did. Right. Snitch against your own family. But let me show you one thing. We're talking about the Holocaust and they, they focused on Jews most acutely. Let me show you uh, police taking on a Christian church here in Canada. Um, This is on the East Coast. Take a look at this. You are not Philip James Hutchings. What's your badge number? 7188. And your name? Leanne Surabaker. Well, you can read this. Our legal counsel on the way. Okay, so under Section 13 of the Emergency Measures Act. Did you say that you were going to go find Mr. Hutchings? If you'd like to come outside, I'm more than happy to speak with him outside. Let them flex their muscles. Um, can you guys just more on that story elsewhere on the rebel i believe we're actually supporting the lawyers in that case as we are other pastors who've been arrested in alberta in particular pastor arthur pavlovsky returns to court um tomorrow actually um and has i think it's tomorrow he is facing 21 days in prison not for opening his church for 70 minutes during the lockdown but because he won't apologize for it They're holding him in contempt. They're saying, if you apologize for opening your church, you're free to go. If you bend the knee, if you break yourself morally, mostly, if you don't, then we will put you in jail for 21 days. Let me emphasize that. Because he won't apologize to the government. Um, Why are they focused on Christian churches, Michael? 
Well, I think, first of all, uh, it's going to be politically correct to attack Christian churches as opposed to shutting down mosques. Then you'd have the identity politics issue that comes as an aside. Second, I think they understand that people who are uh, peaceful and go into a place of worship aren't going to fight back. Uh, if they were trying to shut down like a music festival, for example, there'd be far big, or a bar there'd be, or a gym, there'd be far more of a chance of a pushback or people would be less respectful. But people who are, go to church tend to historically have good morals to be good members of their community and are going to be respectful toward authority. So it's a very useful technique in terms of propaganda for them to make examples of these people because there's a very little risk that anything bad is going to happen to them as a consequence. It is absolutely cynical. And it, these people are, are beyond contempt, the police who are enforcing these orders, as well as the politicians who are putting them to practice. As you pointed out, uh, it's all about submission. They want you dead, but they'll settle for your submission. This is all about getting a population under the thumb of the state, which in the last few years, especially in America, they've lost control of the microphone and they don't know what to do about it. Hmm. Here in Canada, uh, we have a uniformity that I've never seen in my yeah. life or read about historically. What I mean by that is the federal government and all the provincial and territorial governments and all of their respective opposition parties. So uh, if this were America, I'd say every state, both blue state and red state, every minority and every majority, they are unanimous. Every institution in Canada, the media party, pop culture, the academia, um, professional sports, um, like every single power center, there is no one of authority with institutional power who is against this, not one. Like at least in America, you have islands like Texas sure. and Florida and maybe South Dakota and some others. Here in Canada, it's unanimous, but there is one politician, he only got 5% in the last election. Um, his name is Maxime Bernier, I know you've interviewed him before. Yeah. I wanna show you him in friendly Manitoba. And what's so incredible about this is he was on the campaign hustings, but the so-called conservative premier of Manitoba told him not to come to the province as if it's a private fief to me. Maxime Bernier came anyways, and police were effectively instructed to run an errand for the premier. Take a look. No. Yeah. Right now you're under arrest under the uh, provincial health orders. Okay, so if you can just put your hands behind your back, face towards the vehicle. Okay, put, give me one hand here. I'll get you to see the vehicle, okay? Thank yep. you. The other hand? Do you have any weapons or anything on you, sir? Weapon? No, no weapon. Only, anything on uh, you anything my words. Anything, anything like that? Sorry? Anything on you that's gonna hurt me or anything like that? No, no, yeah. anything will hurt you. Only my words, only my philosophy, only what I believe in. Okay. All right, come on over this way. I'll explain a few things to you here right away. That's Maxime Bernier. He was actually taken to jail. And he told me that the police uh, were instructed to follow him around uh, while he was in the province and that the police told him if he knew what was best for him, he'd get on an airplane. I have to tell you, if that, was, if that arrest video was smuggled out of Russia and that was a critic of Vladimir Putin or smuggled out of China and that was a democracy activist or Turkey or Iran or any place like that, we would be squawking Amnesty International, there would be the United Nations perhaps, a resolution or debate about it. But no, it's in friendly Manitoba. And not only was there no pushback, if there was any comment from the media party, it was in total support. How did that happen to us so quickly, Michael? 
Well, here's the thing. In America, there was much hand-wringing among the corporate press that at Trump rallies, the audience would chant, lock her up, referencing Hillary, and oh my God, this is awful. You know, we're descending into authoritarianism. And when someone actually is locked up by the state in, in Canada, no one seems to have an issue with it. Now, I'm a little torn about the situation. I like Maxime Bernier, as you said. Uh, I've had him on my show. I am in favor of arresting politicians en masse. They think they should all be in prison. On the other hand, I, I'm not a big supporter of the cops, so I'm kind of torn on this particular situation. Hmm. But you can see how uh, I, I, the personality type it would take for you to put your hands on an innocent man who was running for office and who gave a talk you know, advocating his views, which is the base of democracy, shows that the police are there to enforce, that this is a hardcore leftist argument historically, but the police are there to enforce the power structure and to do the edicts of the elite. They are not there to protect freedom and they have no interest in protecting the common man. They're just there to protect those who are in power. Yeah. You know, um, when every single repeater of the narrative is in unanimity, it takes an enormous amount of personal courage and reflection to decide yes. to be a dissident. Because it's not like there are countervailing forces. I, I mean, I, I did a video on this the other day when I was a child and I learned about the Holocaust. All I could think about is how could they not run away? How did they not see what was coming? And that's because we have hindsight now. We knew how it ended. Um, but I don't know. I just I find this deeply depressing. And it, I see now how the 30s in Germany could have absolutely well, happened. I, the I mania. Think this is deeply, I think this is deeply encouraging because be, the thing with the Holocaust in the 30s, and there's a book called Beyond Belief, which was an excellent book. People in the West didn't believe it was happening because they didn't have video evidence. They didn't have pictures. They're like, surely this isn't really happening. And again, if this was 20 years ago and you were told that they're pulling uh, people out of church to arrest them, you and I would have both thought, okay, there must have been a fight. Something must have happened. They're not just going to go to church where people are innocently praying and pulling them out. And yes, that's exactly what's happening uh, case after case. So the fact that we have video evidence and it's showing to people like you, who, as you said yourself, have been fanatically back the blue in the past, now is in a position to show people the truth because uh, social media is a great way to have an end run around corporate media who would like to construct a narrative and now they don't have that ability because they have no longer have a monopoly on the flow of information. This is a healthy development in terms of getting people to open their eyes or at least face the consequences of what they're advocating. We're talking with Michael Malice. He's the host of a podcast called You're Welcome on the Gas Digital Network. He also has a book. It will not shock you to know that the book's title is The Anarchist Handbook. Uh, Michael, I want to show one more video and be very generous with your time. Uh, this is, I think it's a flicker of hope. It's from Australia, from the most abusive state in that country called Victoria. That's where our star reporter down there, Avi Yamini, has come face to face with the police so many times. Our viewers know we're suing the Victoria police on behalf of Avi because they've arrested him, attacked him, his security, I think at least five times now. And we just couldn't stand for that. So we're suing them. They're slightly better behaved because of it. Uh, here's one police officer who just said she couldn't do it anymore. Take a look. The consequences of me being here today um, is that I will be resigning from Victoria Police effective the end of this interview wow. because the consequences of me coming out publicly um, would be dismissal. So I'm choosing to quit and I'm quitting because I can't remedy in my soul anymore the way in which my organisation that I love to work for is being used and the damage that it's causing 
um, in the reputation of Victoria Police and the damage that it's causing to the community. My partner and I were out walking um, during our two hours of exercise on the weekend and there were police everywhere. I live in the city. And there was just there was just police everywhere, um, you know, doing their reassurance patrols, which they're not reassurance patrols. You're not reassuring anybody in the community. You're, you're scaring people in the community that there's that many police out in the city, um, you know, trying to stop mass, ga mass gatherings or, or what have you. And the police don't want to look you in the eye. You don't want to look the police in the eye. There's this air of uncomfortability about it all. All of my friends that are police officers um, that are working the front line and are suffering every day um, enforcing show directions that the vast majority or a cer certainly a great majority don't believe in um, and don't want to enforce. Uh, just FYI, Cho stands for Chief Health Officer. A couple of funny things, reassurance patrols, that, that's straight out of Orwell. We're, yeah. no, I'm sorry, ma'am, we're the reassurance patrol. Everything's uh, okay, here yeah. to reassure you. <laughs> you know, she said something that gave me a flicker of hope that, you know, we're, when, you, when you can't meet someone's eyes, she said that yep. neither the public nor the cops could meet each other's gaze. That's a sign, like, there's a reason that that's a tell because uh, for dishonesty or because people are uncomfortable with something. If you're nervous, if you're hiding something, if you know you're doing something wrong, you can't make eye contact. I don't know, it's just something ingrained in our wiring. Um, I'm not so sure that the cops can't make eye contact. Maybe conscientious cops like that sergeant herself, but I've seen too many cops who will look you right in the eye as they pepper spray you as they did a 70-year-old woman lying on the ground, oh, yeah. as they trip you, as they punch you. So I, I think that it was very brave of her to say what she said, but I don't think she's right. I think a great number of cops, at least the ones that I've seen on little video clips, um, are relishing it. They'll look you in the eye as they beat you with a baton, and, and I say this with a, a deep sorrow. Last word to you, Michael, what do you think? If there were any good cops, there wouldn't be any bad cops because the bad cops would be arrested. All those people that you were referring to, they're pepper spraying that old lady, their fellow uh, officers just standing there smiling. So it's a complete systemic issue uh, and you have to sacrifice your soul in order to be a police officer. And that's why these people have no conscience and must be treated with contempt because the cost of being a police officer must outweigh the benefits. And that's when you get people to quit. And that's when you get structural change. Well, that's a very hard line position, and I don't think I'll walk with you all the way there, but I have to acknowledge- Give it six months. Give it yeah. six months. That's well, well, I have to acknowledge that I started out this pandemic as very pro-policing. I could see the, the wokeness creeping in to policing, but woke is one thing, but pepper right. spraying people, smashing them, arresting them, arresting politicians, arresting journalists, arresting Christian pastors, not that those people are morally any more valuable than any, than any other citizen. I find these deeply troubling times and I appreciate your point of view. And I don't, I don't go all the way with you, Michael Malice, but you, you have been uh, ferocious in calling out police brutality and um, uncompromising in your views. And it's a very interesting point of view and I appreciate you taking the time with us today. Great pleasure, Esther, thank you so much. And good luck to you and all your fellow Canadians, you need it. Thanks, we sure do. Well, there you have it. Michael Malice is his name. He's the host of Your Welcome on the Gas Digital Network. He joined us via Skype from Austin, Texas, one of the free states in America. 
and it won't surprise you, as I mentioned before, that his book is called The Anarchist Handbook. What do you think? Send me an email to Ezra at rebelnews.com. Stay with us more ahead. Welcome back. Well, yesterday we had highlights from our Australian coverage. We're doing so well in Australia because we have great talent down there and great viewers, but also the world is most terrible there, and we're one of the few media outlets showing it. Your letters in response, Sam Freeman says, if it wasn't for true journalists like Rebel News, we'd have all been misinformed by the corrupt fake news media. Huge thanks to Aviamini. Keep up the great work, you little Aussie ripper. They have so many phrases. They've got a great phrase down there, as Aussie battler. I think battler is a word we should adopt up here in Canada, too. I'm joking around. Avi is a great ripper. I don't know what that means. He is a great battler. I, I do know what that means. And we are growing our team down there, too. And I think it's great. Jeff says, just more evidence, we need a Bill of Rights in Australia. The First Amendment provides several rights protections to express ideas through speech in the press, to assemble or gather for a group to protest or for other reasons, and to ask the government to fix problems. Yeah, but you know, as we're discovering here in Canada, you also need a culture. You need judges and lawyers who will express freedom through the Constitution. We have freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of association, freedom of mobility in our Constitution in Canada too. In fact, if you look at the old Soviet Union, they had a constitution that on paper had beautiful words. I'm sure Cuba and North Korea have the same. Do you have a culture that values freedom and that will interpret cases in the most free way? I really fear we're losing that here in Canada. My God, Australia's out of control. Well, that's our show for today. And as you know, we have this new tradition of showing you videos from elsewhere on the website that you might not have come across. And I'd like to show you a large video, a mini documentary that we have put together about Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky, because I don't know if you know this. He's going back to court tomorrow to face his judgment. Justice Adam Germain, former liberal politician appointed to the bench, will weigh and measure Arthur Pavlovsky. The prosecution says, Put him in prison for three weeks. Why? Because he won't apologize to the government for opening his church for 70 minutes during the lockdown. That's all it was, 70 minutes of defiance. And they found him in contempt. And now the government says, throw him away for three weeks because he won't say sorry. So that's coming tomorrow. We'll have live coverage of that. Me and Sheila Gunn-Reed will be on TV. Adam Sosa and our other Calgary teammates will be on the scene. So that'll happen live tomorrow. But for now, here's our video of the day, the mini documentary on Arthur Pavlovsky. I'll say goodbye to you now, but stick around to watch that on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home. Good night and keep fighting for freedom. Immediately Gestapo is not... Police had to send an officer to a church this Easter weekend where the leader of the gathering reportedly shouted at the health inspector. The yes, what about it? We're being destroyed. People are being destroyed and they're seeking help. They're coming to a place where they think that there's some answers. This is not event. And we 
are shutting it down and arresting people for simply being humans trying to do how the doors are open anyone welcome as well and our government right now is with satan our government has given their soul to the demons to satan of meat behind a police vehicle and I don't think they've done it legally I think this was unlawful arrest uh, we had never a chance to examine the court order look what's going on open your eyes open your ears and see what's really going on here. Uh, someone said our property on fire someone wants us dead and I'm thinking my god how evil you have to become. After returning from a long speaking engagement, authorities closed in and took him into custody before he could even say hello to his family. We have footage of that troubling arrest here for you now. How wicked in your heart that you would send someone to rot in jail for the rest of my life on the side of eternity for feeding the poor and for opening a church. That's not just a job, that's a lifestyle. As a pastor, as a shepherd, I have to be with my people. I have to be with the people that are coming, the people that are trusting me, the people that have been depressed, suicidal, and now their hope is being restored and they need they need a leader, they need their shepherds to be with them. That's where I belong. Every pastor belongs with his people. Warning, censorship. The entire world knows the now infamous steps upon which Pastor Arthur Pawlowski was standing when he said, get out, get out. But the story of Pastor Arthur Pawlowski and his conflict with Calgary authorities in reality started here when he was given a ticket for daring to feed the homeless. He then became our very first Fight the Fines case. We started this Fight the Fines project back in April. Our first case was a Christian pastor named Arthur Pawlowski who was fined $1,200 for literally feeding the homeless. What kind of cop does that? Don't pay these crazy tickets. Let us hire lawyers for you to handle the tickets, to handle the stress. I predict many of these will be dropped without even a hearing. The legal costs associated with taking a principled stance can be daunting. So we created SaveArthur.com in order to crowdfund and cover all of Pastor Arthur's legal fees. Sarah Miller of JSS Barristers has been fighting tirelessly for Arthur at no cost to him, thanks to your generous donations. 
unconstitutional. That is not the argument that we're having today uh, or this week in court. The argument is whether or not the detention itself and what the police did in affecting that detention, if that was constitutional. Um, and so my submission in court was it wasn't. Since that time, Pastor Arthur Pawlowski has been targeted with two dramatic arrests. Once roadside where a crew pulled him from his vehicle and took him into custody and most recently at the airport when he was taken into custody upon his return to Canada. Ever since Pastor Arthur Pawlowski became the center of a firestorm of international and local attention for his acts of defiance, Rebel News has been there by his side. Following the story, our own intrepid videographer, K2, spent the night in his church. No one has been there by his side like us. And we want you to have an opportunity to look back on his story and get to know the man behind the legend. But we're not going to give more attention to the hyenas. We eat hyenas for breakfast. Because of our unrelenting and committed focus to telling this story like nobody else, we have garnered unique insights into the story of Pastor Arthur Pawlowski, and we have come to learn that he is not just a significant figure, but a truly historical one. So now join us as we take a look back at the events that led up to the upcoming court date on October 13th that may see an Alberta pastor sent to prison. I don't care what you have to say. Out! Out! Out of this property, you Nazis! Out! Out! Gestapo is not allowed here! Well, it's just one word. Corruption and corruption at the highest levels. This is the hypocrisy of this city. This is the hypocrisy of our wonderful, fearless leaders. Where is Nahat Nemshi, the mayor of this city? Well, as you know, we escaped communism. We came to Canada for one purpose, not for bread, but for freedom. And we were promised that we will get that freedom, that we will not be hunted down like common criminals just because we are Christians. You see, growing up under communists, that's exactly what the communists were doing. The government wanted to be God, and anyone that dared to worship a real God, not the government, was hunted down and persecuted. So when we came here, we were promised that this is not going to be a repetition of history. However, you know and I know, and now millions of people around the world, they all know that there is a repetition of history. Those people who want to be tyrants are stripping our rights away left and right. And, subduing us into bowing and worshiping them. I just simply cannot, cannot do that. The problem is, is Canada has become communist and, and they're using you guys as their strong one. And I think that's atrocious. If you're watching this video, that means I've also been arrested. So this is Peter Eichert. Uh, I was the associate pastor of the Cave of Adullam and uh, lead volunteer for Street Church for a large number of years. Yeah, I was arrested, you know, I was uh, charged criminally for keeping the church open, for help holding a church service, for being outside to try and accommodate, uh, you know, our government's restrictions on church as much as possible. and. Uh, so it's impacted uh, myself and uh, my family greatly, absolutely. So my name is Marzena Pawlowski 
and relationship and his wife. It's really very, very hard work behind before we come here. So it's not that I'm complaining, I'm just letting you know it's, it's not easy. Yes, we were as a family and me personally, we were affected uh, by my husband, uh, prosecuted by government uh, on so many levels. Rejection by community, by other church members. Uh, pe oh, not everybody understands what's going on. Uh, People think, some people think still that government is always right. And of course, rejection, rejection, finances. As a family, yes, we were, we were affected greatly. Uh, all those years they thought we, 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 we dropped from the, from the sky on our heads. But not until recently, since COVID, people start to open their eyes. But unfortunately, I think it's this, this is a little bit too late. Everything has to be, has to have the official okay from the Canadian Communist Party. Uh, my name is Nathaniel Pavlovsky. I am the son of Arthur Pavlovsky. Well, when your dad's being thrown in jail, handcuffed, and treated this way, I mean, it takes a toll, obviously. I want to show and support my fellow freedom fighters, my, and I, and I want to show my discontent to the government of what they're doing and show them how many people are not okay with this. I mean, I should, I should be affected in a more profound way, but I've, I've honestly been, tragically, I've become used to this because since 2005, since I was five, six years old, my dad has been treated like this by the government, by the city of Calgary, the government of Alberta, and the government of Canada. He was first arrested for reading the Bible. I mean, I, I kind of grew up experiencing the corruption of the government and the treatment of pastors this way. from you. They take your soul and they want to destroy you. My name is uh, David Pawlowski. I am his brother. Well, the last arrest, it was the seventh one uh, as a Christian. Uh, it was unlawful. The criminals in badges that were ordered to do this broke federal laws of Canada. And all of a sudden, the people that should uphold the law the most, which is the police, the politicians, the judges, the, the prosecutors, etc., etc., all of a sudden, they are breaking every federal law in a book and nobody's holding them accountable. So uh, shame on them, you know, they send a terrorist, anti-terrorist group to arrest two preachers that were coming from their duty of preaching. It's a, it's a beginning of a totalitarian state. The sun is rising in Alberta. This is our time. The start of an exciting recovery for our province, of an Alberta renaissance. And people of faith are returning to their congregations, worshiping and fellowshipping together. Thank <laughs> you.
some points in that evening we were not all uh, distanced from one another by two meters uh, and I truly regret that I take full responsibility for this I invited my colleagues there my plea uh, is to all Canadians look what is happening to our beloved Canada are you okay with this are you okay with what they're doing to not just to me now but to you and your children and I said that so many times for so many years they came for me be sure of it. They're going to come for you as well. You didn't care maybe about my children at that time. Now they're after your children. Are you okay with that? Because I'm not. I will keep fighting until the day I die. I hope you will join me. And our government right now is with Satan. Our government has given their soul to the demons, to Satan. For a bowl of soup, for comfort. I don't know what they're doing. But it's not going to be pretty for them. Because in my Bible it says that every man will pay the price. Every man. It's a repetition of my childhood behind the Iron Curtain. I see, we've seen the signs for since 2005. We've been warning people that we see the signs of how we grew up under the Soviet boot, where you went to school and uh, you had to sing a song to Stalin. They called him Djedushka Stalin. Grandfather Stalin, uh, where the prayer was removed, where Christianity was uh, persecuted, where righteous people were prosecuted, where people that were patriots were ground to powder. I see the same repetition here, and it's moving very quick, very quick. You know, I mean, I, I get it that uh, there's a lot of pressure going on in the world for 
kinds of mandates. Uh, I think that the Alberta government has, has left its, uh, let its people down. I think Jason Kenney has backtracked on all the things that he promised he would do uh, or not do. And uh, so that indicates to me that there's external pressure that's sort of directing the, uh, the hands, if you will. Well, you know you've reached a new low when they're throwing pastors in jail. Um, my family escaped a communist country where they came here to experience freedom and now they're being treated this way by the government of Alberta. It's just a mess. Everything is upside down. What's supposed to be right, it's right now wrong. What's supposed to be white, it's black. So everything is wrong right now. That's as simple as that. Well, let me just say this. Whether or not we're being persecuted makes absolutely no difference to me. I don't think that I could care any less about whether or not this meets the definition of persecution. That doesn't even factor into the equation for me. That's not the basis upon which I'm doing anything. I'm doing what I'm doing in obedience to Christ. I am quite content to let the Lord Jesus Christ himself decide whether or not this is persecution. He promises that those who are persecuted for his namesake will be blessed. He's the one that blesses, and I'm content to leave that in his court. My responsibility is to obey, is to obey Christ, correct? You, you know, you build a wall. You have to, because otherwise you're gonna go crazy. To, to God all the glory. He's given us the strength to, to persevere, to continue, because if it wasn't His work, if it wasn't for His sake, for Christ's sake, we would quit a long time ago. This is bigger than, than what they even think. This is a call. When you get called by God, you cannot help but to do what God called you to do. So that has kept me sane. You know, it says that in the middle of a storm, God gives his people peace that surpasses all understanding. And I've noticed many times in the middle of a battlefield, he would give the supernatural peace to persevere. Uh, in other words, his hand was felt on our shoulder many times. And we know it is him. So, thank God. Uh, we got tough. Right now, it, everything is upside down. We are on the streets for all those years with real criminals, real cr criminals in the community. And they are being out of jails because of COVID. The province declared an outbreak at the facility last May and it still hasn't been lifted. 577 people, including about 65 staff, have contracted the virus. And now they are putting Christians and business people to jails because they dare uh, fight for the food on their table and because they're there. Uh, this is our right. We want to worship God, God, either pandemia or not pandemia, war or not war, peace of war. This is what we we are called for. And and now and now my husband is going to be in jail. You know, it's, it's, I, I don't have words. Well, it's heartbreaking, of course. I mean, a person who, whose convictions are so, so profound. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't get bullied. He can't be bribed. He can't be bought. 
his beliefs are his beliefs and he's not going to be shaken by anything by no bully tactics and it it just shows that the government is scared for what he has what he has to say and it also shows that I I could be in his shoes as well I mean they're treating a pastor this way how is he how is the government going to treat me well this rips apart the moral fabric of this country you know a country that was established upon the rule of law and the supremacy of god those two things need to coexist together and if we don't have if we're only one or or, or absent of all things you know if we're lawless if we're godless uh this is chaos this is uh, there's no moral fabric left anymore and uh, I think we're going to see for many years the harm that this done. That this does. Yeah, I've I've no ill will towards our, our governing authorities, whether that's Jason Kenney, Dean Hinshaw, Tyler Shandro. Uh, I certainly disagree with how they have operated, and I think they're operating unjustly. And and ultimately, the reason why that I'm not angry towards them is because they stand accountable to God. And it's the same thing in First Peter two in the scriptures. It reminds us that we are called to suffer, and we're called to follow Jesus' examples. When Jesus suffered, he did not revile in return. He did not hate in return, but rather he prayed for their forgiveness. And he entrusted himself to God, to him who judges justly. And so vengeance is God's, not mine. And so God will judge. And so I, I want to plead with our leaders uh, who, who, are, who are doing the things they're doing unjustly, uh, that they would repent of their sin. Uh, they would put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved because it, it, is, it is his judgment that is scary, not, not mine. Very difficult. Those, we're, we're not talking about a year, we're not talking about just since the COVID started, we're talking about 16 years of ongoing, non-stop persecution. I have been arrested for publicly reading Bible, faced a year in prison. I was arrested for feeding the homeless people. I save lives, that's what I do on a regular basis. I feed thousands of people regularly on the streets of Calgary. I give hope to those that lost hope and we had to pay a terrible price for that. I remortgaged my house seven times. My children, when they were growing up, could not do what other children, children were doing. I just could not afford it. I was constantly in and out of the court system, over 100 court cases. I spent more time with the lawyers and in court than in the church, believe it or not, of feeding the poor. It was horrible. It was a horror once again and uh, you gotta remember i watched this movie before and if we will not change the script this movie doesn't end well and as a family my parents my brother his wife my children my wife we paid a big price for freedom to fight for the freedom not just for our freedom but for the freedom of canadians very early on in the story of pastor archer pavlowski we could tell that the scale had shifted this was a fundamental and historical battle for our freedoms so do not pay your fine don't do it fight your fine go to fightthefines.com to get help for yourself or to help others through crowdfunding this isn't just a pipe dream. We've been preparing for this for seven months. Ezra Levant recognized that immediately, and so we launched SaveArcher.com, an extension of the FightTheFines.com campaign. And through that initiative, we enabled Pastor Arthur Pawlowski, at no cost to himself, to fight, fight for all of us, and to fight for freedoms that were fundamentally Canadian. We understand as a family what it means to fight alone. And at the, at the end of the day, 
you have handful of supporters and then you are left with those huge bills and and we've been there we've done that and my husband's first arrest many many years ago uh, we end up with hundred thousand dollars bills and more uh, those things cost unfortunately but the feeling that you are alone uh, right now with backing up of rebel news backing up of of, of exposure because mainstream media are going to lie of course they're going to say oh this 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 dude this uh, street co street controversial preacher preacher they cannot dare even say pastor uh, and now we we, we we know not it's not even about the feeling we know we are not alone well I wanted to thank the rebel news because the truth is that in Canada today you are the only broadcast that is out there not only uh, giving the entire truth, but you're risking your lives. This is a, these are crazy times. This is the times where, uh, where in a in a Soviet Poland, uh, uh, people that were showing the truth, they were at risk of even being killed. You know, this is a repetition of history. Same in Nazi Germany. You know, this is where we are. And I wanted to thank you for being there for us, Kian, Adam, uh, Ezra Levan, all of you guys. Um, this is amazing, you know, may, may God repay you sevenfold and may he enlarge your territory. And I just want to encourage everybody, please support Rebel News. Please be there for them because they are showing the other side of the story. The story that this de facto, in my eyes, government, the tyrants, the criminals in government are, will never allow the mainstream media to show. So please support Rebel News. Thank you so much. Well, you're the only media outlet that's telling the truth, showing the other side of the story. Every other media source, every other mainstream media source paints him, defames him, defames him in this horrible way, painting him and my family as these evil people when all he wants to do is hold church service, all he wants to do is feed the poor. So I want to thank you, Rebel, that you're the only so source of media that's showing that other story yeah i uh, i commend rebel news uh for the fight for save arthur for all their uh involvement in in really what's uh what's been a, a true beacon of light in the media world in the news world um you know right now to try and turn on the news and get any kind of thing outside of mainstream media outside of uh, just the the narrative of the day uh, it's almost impossible so we thank God for Rebel News and all the uh, good reporters like yourself Adam and Kian and uh, just uh, the coverage has been fantastic things that would have never been heard uh, have been heard have been recorded you know I like to think of uh, I think it was Winston Churchill that at the end of World War II he said make sure you document everything because somebody somewhere will try and say that this never happened and uh, I think we're looking at the same thing right now today. Well, my wife said that the worst thing is to be alone, to be abundant, to feel that there's no one that cares, that there's no one that is willing to cover the story the way it is. The good, the bad and the ugly, fairly. The mainstream media propaganda machinery is hammering me left and right and they did that since 2005. To them, feeding the homeless, a man, a pastor that feeds the poor is a villain. 
It's a bad person. To them, someone that stands up for our rights, for the Charter Rights and Freedoms, for the Constitution, whereas Canada acknowledges the supremacy of God and the rule of law, that kind of a person is a villain, someone that should be hammered. But thanks to you, we don't feel alone. Thanks to you, rebel, I don't feel alone. I feel that no matter what those villains will do to me, at least I can count on the rebel and they're going to cover the story. So the world will see at least what is happening to me, what is happening to my family, the burning of my house, the trying to murder my children and my wife and me being hammered and threatened with prison over and over again with tickets without mercy. At least I know that whatever happens to me, to us, the world will know what kind of politicians we have in our beloved province of Alberta. Who is really Jason Kenney? Who is this man that hands down a pastor that feeds thousands of people, his own people? Who is the minister of justice, Madhu? Who, who are those villains that are doing this to their own people? Nazis are not welcome here, out. And don't come back without a warrant. Do not come back without a warrant. You understand that? You're not welcome here. Nazis are not welcome here. In the church behind me are the steps from which Pastor Arthur spoke the words, get out, get out, that reverberated throughout the world. Little did he know how big his story would get, and little did he know how much support he would need from people like you to mount a fight that echoed once again throughout the world. Because of the generosity of thousands of rebel viewers, Pastor Archer was able to take a stand. This is the The story of Pastor Archer Pawlowski started in many ways right here on these steps. And it ends here as well with your support. You can stand up. If you believe that Pastor Archer was in the right when he fed those people, was doing the right thing when he opened his church, and was obeying his conscience when he refused to participate in these measures that would fundamentally undermine his constitutional rights as a pastor in this country, the time to stand is now. It's more urgent than ever. We need you to go to SaveArcher.com and contribute now to help in his legal battle.